2: Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the former England winger, Trevor Sinclair, and TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook as England prepare to lock horns with the Azzurri once again. Gareth Southgate has had a bit of stick, but does that fail to take into consideration some major factors? One, you can only utilise the players you have. You can't transfer any replacements in. Two, international football is cautious. A chess match by nature. And three, against Germany, he brought on two subs. They changed the game and England got a late equaliser. Or... Are you never going to be convinced? Elsewhere, Valt Weghorst slays the Welsh dragon. Scotland bounce back to beat Armenia. Ukraine rebound to beat Ireland. And Belgium fight back from 1-0 down to Poland to win 6-1. Plus, Chelsea purse strings tighten. Liverpool act quickly. And Manchester United still aren't shopping at Waitrose. All that and more on the greatest football podcast made today in Manchester at 8.33am by me, Crook and idiosyncratic Sinclair. It's the Game Day Podcast from Talk Sports. This is Game Day. Hello, Trevor. Hello, Alex Crook. Yes, it is the summer, which means we are into the dark weeks of the closed season. That's right. So, I thought I'd better play you a bit of this. Do you know what it is? Do you know
1: what it is, Trevor? Funnily enough, you know, this one just escapes me. It does? Crook, do you know?
2: It's Two on a theme. It's on a theme. It's on a theme. It's on a theme. No football Into the dark weeks
3: Is it the darkness? I don't know It
1: is the darkness Well done <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: quite proud that I didn't get that one i be honest Well done crook You must be
3: proud That's the first ever music question you've got right in your life um, I think we know that's not true because I beat you on a music quiz uh, that Stuart Pearce posed just only last week Anyway, moving on
2: we've got lots of football to come uh, including uh, we'll review some of the weak action uh, from the Nations League and we'll talk a bit about England against Italy upcoming and Gareth Southgate as well uh, Just a quick look back at the Germany game uh, Trevor, if you don't mind before we get into Italy uh, What did yeah. you think of it?
1: It was, I thought it looked like a, a tired England team. Um, we were talking yesterday on the White Show and I just thought the players looked a little bit underwhelmed. Um, although it did, I thought they got into it in the end and uh, I think it's shown a great spirit and a, a willingness not to want to lose. And uh, the, change, the changes that Gareth made uh, were, were excellent. I thought they had a real impact on the game. I'd like to have seen them slightly earlier. I thought Jack was excellent. Even Bowen, Jared Bowen, when he came on, he had an impact but um, yeah all in all I think it just showed that England have got that steeliness about them now where they refuse to get beaten certainly on the bounce after the disappointing Hungary game
2: okay let's get to what's happening this weekend because live on TalkSport the third of four Nations League game for England as they take on Italy it's a rematch from the European Championship final let's hope it goes a little bit better
0: England
3: despair.
0: Keep building the team, you're doing a wonderful job and have a tilt at the World Cup. So, Qatar is in sight.
2: A lot of teams are preparing for the World Cup or in Italy's case, beyond that. 2018 was a shock. 2022, not qualifying, eh? it's scary. You start to feel like, what if this is a, actually our new reality?
3: so it into the bottom. As an England fan, I just feel relieved that we haven't gone back-to-back defeats and that we haven't gone two games without scoring. Them. It's Kane against Neuer, right-footed! He sends it into the bottom left-hand corner! A half century for Harry Kane! In my era, I think he's the, the, the best all-round number nine. When you're not playing well, particularly in a tournament, if you get a
0: result, that's all that matters. It's all about the World Cup and this, we will never have a better chance of winning a World Cup than we will this year.
2: England take on Italy. They were second best against Germany. I agree with Trevor on that. But the late subs, Grealish and Bowen, really helped drag them back in. What do you expect to see against the European champions, Trev?
1: Well, I expect us to. There's got to be a little bit of um, disappointment, or else you're not human. And as players, a lot of the players that were involved in the final will be involved. And I'd like to think that they'd like to hold. Italy account and, and really put it on him and uh, back at Wembley, have a lot of energy, a lot of intensity, and it's an Italian side that didn't qualify for the World Cup, and uh, I think they'll try and I think they'll try and bully him and and, and beat him in every, every aspect of the game, and I hope that's what I see. I hope I see a bit of desperation and a bit of hurt on the players. Um, a little bit of retaliation if I'm being honest
2: uh, do you think that England have a score to settle Alex is that the way that Gareth Southgate runs things or is he a little bit more uh, pragmatic than that
3: yeah you took the word right out of my mouth I think he is more pragmatic I'd be surprised if his team talk includes words like revenge and retribution it might be on the minds of the players particularly Bukayo Saka having uh, missed the penalty in the shootout obviously the only one of the, the three players who missed the penalty who is in the squad this time around. But ultimately, it's about making a a statement. Italy currently top of the group. They've had a pretty decent start to their Nations League campaign, as you alluded to uh, during the White and Jordan show when we were covering last week. I think this tournament probably is more important to Italy than some of the major nations um, in Europe because they haven't qualified for the World Cup. But in terms of what I'd like to see, I'd like to see those two players who did make such an impact off the bench get a starting chance. Jarrah Bowen and Jack Grealish, really intriguing, the the comments I thought that Gareth Southgate made about Jack Grealish, maybe suggesting that he needs to improve his tactical side of the game. That's been a problem, I think, for Grealish at at Manchester City this season as well. That's why Pep Guardiola uh, doesn't necessarily trust him as a starter, but it does bring into question the age-old debate, is there room for a Maverick player in the modern game? I think there probably is, but maybe Gareth Southgate doesn't agree. Yeah, but I think also it's
2: very easy to say that and suggest that everybody puts uh, Jack Grealish into their starting lineup on the evidence of what they've seen in the last 15 minutes against Germany. But ultimately, a bit like Eddie Jones, maybe Gareth Southgate is using Jack Grealish as a finisher and that's what he was alluding to when he was saying that he's a you know needs to work a little bit differently tactically. You know, he admits actually that he plays a lot more uh, with freedom with England and has been guilty of being a bit safe when he performs for Manchester City, which is why I think when he comes off the bench for England, he does have that that impact. He said, I feel at times I've played a bit safe at City, but when I come here, I feel like even in training, I feel like I train really well, score goals, get assists and whatnot. When I come onto the pitch, it's hard to explain. I do feel like I play with a lot more freedom here and hopefully I can transfer that into my club football and keep on improving. Um, He said, Pep's a lot more structured. You can't complain because of what he's done in the game, how successful Mm -hmm. he is. Whereas Gareth, it's a bit more whatever you think, Obviously, you have a formation and structure, but he says to me, if you feel like you need to go to the other side of the pitch to get the ball and go and do that, then I can. That's not really a part of the freedom. The freedom is more myself. Hopefully I can transfer that to City. So actually, for all the talk that Gareth sometimes is a little bit too cautious with him and with others, he's actually said to him, you go and play,
1: fella. Yeah, he's letting him express himself, and I think once you get over that halfway line and you've got a you've got a decent possession of the ball, I think that's what you want your forwards to do. Because if it's all too structured for a defender, it's very easy for me to understand what you're going to do. Because all you have to do is watch the, the last two or three games, clips of that player, and you think, well, he never comes inside, so I don't I don't even have to be aware of that. All of a sudden, you've got a player that sometimes he comes inside, sometimes he goes behind, sometimes he looks like he's going behind and checks, comes to feet, sometimes he jumps in the pocket. All of a sudden, as a defender, you're thinking, wow, I don't know what this guy's going to do. I've got to be right on it. So I think for a forward, I mean, the way that I can um, compare it to my game um, when I was playing, which is quite difficult to do because it was in grainy black and white. But when I played centre forward, I did feel like... so
2: like, like a- YouTube don't even have the footage. <laughs>
1: When I played centre-forward, I literally went on the pitch like with a spring in my step thinking, come on, let's have it. I don't really have many responsibilities out of possession, but as soon as we get the ball, that's me, time to switch on, time to start expressing myself, get hold of the ball, make runs. But when you played as a winger, there was always that little bit of responsibility, which sometimes just takes away that kind of feel good factor when you're a player and you think right yeah I want to get the ball but out of possession I've got to be switched on I've got to be in this position when the ball's there I've got to be in this position when the ball's there and I can quite quite understand what Jack Grealish is talking about there especially with Pep because we know how structured he wants his teams not just in possession Um, But out of possession on that counter press and and making sure everyone's locking on and sticking to task.
2: Yeah, it's also worth uh, pointing out, Alex, that he's only scored once for his country. And if I'm right in thinking, I think it was in Andorra. Um, So it's not like... Does that count? (laughs) It was a brilliant assist, actually, from Sam Johnston, if I remember rightly. Brilliant ball down the middle from the goalkeeper. Um, But Grealish himself says, look, there's so many talented players in the dressing room, especially in my position. I think there's the most... Uh, Even the players that aren't in the squad, the likes of Jaden and Marcus and Phil, all want to play in the same area as me. There's so Mm -hmm. much talent. Even at the moment, there's Bakayu who's had a brilliant season. Jared Raheem, who's already played brilliantly for England. So he understands the competition that he's got for his place as well.
3: Yeah, it's a nice problem for, for Gareth Southgate to have um, obviously the other uh, the other suggestion is that Harry Kane despite the fact he wants to play and, and get nearer this record-breaking goal will be rested uh, for the game at the weekend tammy Abraham uh, will finally get his chance from the start a chance I think he's deserved with what he's done in Serie a this season. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see if he can translate that form uh, to the international stage. And obviously the fact he's playing against Italy, uh, opponents that he will know well, I think that's quite a clever move from Gareth Southgate. Yeah, because of course he's been uh, brilliant in uh, Serie
2: a. Um Look, what worried me a little bit about the Germany game, and I was dismissed on the pod when I said this, is that Germany were better than many people thought they would be. Uh, and B, there was basically... Pretty close to our first eleven in that game. But Usaka had a very difficult night. I thought England couldn't mm. really pass the ball. Didn't look like scoring really until the last five minutes. Mm. And there's no way that Italy are going to be that generous. I mean, they're going to make some changes as well. I mean, their back line: Mancini and Bastoni. Bastoni very well thought of, for example. And he, I mean, he's not going to go to. I think it was linked with a move to Manchester United. Linked with a move to Tottenham. Bastoni, that's not going to happen now. He's going to stay into Spinazzola, brilliant left back. You know, we yeah. saw that in the European Championships. Pellegrini and Barella in the centre of midfield. Brilliant. Um, the issue, actually, they've got more than anything else is up front. And both Torino forward Andrea Bolotti and um, their big defender, obviously, Leonardo Bonucci, they're going to miss the last two Nations League game because, and uh, this is something that came out on Instagram last night, Bonucci wrote a little uh, ditty which said, it was a long, and long season. The one that has just ended was tiring and in agreement with the Mr. Mancini, I'm going on vacation. It is a time to see family and friends, to recharge your body and mind and be ready for early July to get ready for the new season with Juve. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're probably the most well-known player in uh, Benucci is not going to be around because he's going on holiday. Uh, can you understand that, bearing in mind what he's just said at the end there? Because often it's skirted around a little bit. The football doesn't return in August, does it? It actually comes back at the beginning of July for the players because of pre-season. It's a very, very short gap.
1: I think getting a rest is really important not just physically but especially mentally. I think the amount of hours the boys put in now it's become become a lot more analytical the game for players not not just pundits and and people who cover the game. Um players need to know certain stats and they need to understand certain patterns of play that you're going to be uh facing and uh I actually feel players are becoming a lot more astute uh, to different things within the game and even in my time, physically, mentally, at the end of the season, you you know, you really did need a rest. But for players today, I think it's it's imperative. And if they don't get that rest, you see the knock-on effect, uh, preseason, early season form, and it can take a long time to kind of shake that off. So I appreciate what he's saying. As long as he's had a grown-up conversation with his coaches, with his management. Um, with the international uh, team set up and they're all in agreement that, you know, it is the right thing for him then. I think, it, you know, you know yourself better than anybody else and I think he's made the right call.
2: We'll go back to Enigo uh, Martinez, Crook. Last summer, ahead of the European Championships, this big central defender uh, was in the Spain squad, uh, went up to uh, Luis Enrique Martinez and said, uh, look, I'm not in the right mental place for this. I, I, I can't give you what you want from me. I'm I'm not focused enough. My brain has been frazzled by isolation, COVID, being away from the family, travelling, trying to play football, getting on with bits and pieces. I'm not mentally in the right place. So maybe, you know, that will sort of put into context some of the performances we've seen across the Nations League.
3: Yeah, particularly, uh, you mentioned Pakayo Saka, a difficult night for him. Um, obviously, he's the one player who I've already mentioned who missed his penalty and actually still managed to go on and have a decent season. I think you look at Marcus Rashford and Maybe Jadon Sancho, to a lesser extent, maybe they're still carrying the scars of what happened in that European Championship final. Saka is a young man. He's obviously been integral for Arsenal in terms of their bids to try and qualify for the Champions League. He's played a lot of football in in the last two years. There's talk about a a move away. He's in contract talks. So I think mentally, he to me looked like a player who was in need of a rest the other night. But... It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think footballers are aware they're in a very privileged position. You know, you look at the COVID situation, they were able to continue training, continue playing matches, continue uh, to go about their jobs, apart from the fact they were playing in empty stadiums, as, as they would do in, in normal circumstances. So I think, you know, that they'd be very aware... Um, particularly with the, the backlash they get on social media if somebody like Saka was to come out and say look I need a rest I need to go on holiday Yeah, but I think I think mean, it's,
1: refreshing. it's I think it opens the door as well to other players you know I, I think we need to talk about this and we need to accept when a player does come to a coach and, and to the club and say listen I'm frazzled or to the international setup and, and, and speak to the coaches and the powers that be and say listen mentally I'm not there I think we've got to take that seriously. And it's brave to do that. And I think we should accept it in the right way and say, you know what? Thanks for telling us. Get yourself right. Have a break and hopefully start the season next year and we'll see you then and I'd love to see that be accepted not just because you want to go to Vegas or you want to you know you you know, you know, could be having personal problems to do relationships at home so I think it's really refreshing that a player's come out and done that and it's been received the right way
2: Well that's twice now in, in two years that high profile central defenders have come out and said that you know Bonucci and, and Inigo Martinez and both of them you would expect will be reintegrated straight away I mean Mancini obviously has given Bonucci the permission uh, Inigo Martinez very much a part of the the Spanish squad anyway, now uh, in the aftermath of that. So, you know, it does show that, you know, and I mentioned this on the show the other week, I think we were having a discussion about, I know one of one of you two were, were in with me, um, that we um, had a discussion about the fact that actually football is almost like a 52-week-a-year business now. Mm. And as a footballer, maybe you have to plan your holidays. Maybe the club have to plan your rest so that you do get all of the rest and recuperation that you mean. And if that means that Kevin De Brunner misses a game against West Bromwich Albion in the Carling Cup and then misses a a Premier League game against uh, Brighton, then so be it. Because ultimately, over the course of a year, then he's going to play enough football to contribute to the team. And surely being available when you want him available for the huge matches is more important than risking his mental and physical well-being.
1: And for the national team. And for the You know, I team. think he'll he, he want to play for his national team. Players of, you know, they're looking at records, looking at, it's one of the proudest moments of your career. playing. Although he, said know, he didn't the, really
2: want to play for his national team.
1: Putting the international shirt on. But again, it takes due diligence. It takes um, a lot of logistics and it takes individual, custom made. Um, but that's just, the uh, job. Logistics for each player. That's the, that's I think the job play, Clubs are going to, yeah, but it's, the job of a coach to sit down with the players yeah. with the people that are in t- charge of the timetables and I think you can get it right where you'll have a week off mid-season here and there and then at the end of the season you might only have two, three weeks off but all in all you've got you've got the rest time and you've got that mentality back where you need, need it to be.
2: I agree with you. Um, manchini very happy with his side's win over Hungary by the way a side that he himself admits is full of young players they still have work to do but he says winning is important and he has to win because, you know, they haven't qualified for a World Cup. So he wants to put uh, points on the board. They're top of the fledgling Nations League table at the moment. England can change that if they were to beat them on uh, Saturday night. Um, Pellegrini and Barella scored in midweek. Those two are described as the gold in midfield. Mancini, pictured yesterday, I was looking at him, he was talking a uh, schemacker uh, through a few uh, firm instructions, hinting that he will probably start uh, on Saturday, and they have Bastoni, as I mentioned, who is not going to be in the uh, in the Premier League next season because his lawyer and uh, Inter Milan met yesterday, and the word is there's going to be no transfer for him this summer, Crook.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Someone who I know was was definitely high on on Tottenham's list. I'm not convinced by the Manchester United links particularly, but I know uh, Paratici is, is a big admirer and I think he'll be a player that possibly will be sought after next summer. But his future, as you say, uh, for now, looks like it will be in Italy. It's interesting when you look at the, the Italian squad, and, and we've disagreed about this, I think the fact they haven't qualified for the World Cup makes it even more frustrating and disappointing that England couldn't find a way to beat them in that final. Your argument, Sam, is that it was a, a squad maybe coming to the end in, in terms of a lot of ageing players. They've still got those issues up front, haven't they? They carried actually throughout the European Championships. The fulcrum of their success was certainly built on defence. I think that is is still the way. Maybe it's always been um, the Italian way. That no, is uh, the Italian way, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, I think it's going to be a, a, you know, a, a difficult back line for England to break down down. They'll beat Hungary, I think, um, in the final game at home, you would expect them to anyway. But I think they would like a victory against either Italy or Germany. Obviously, the Germany game is gone now, just to to, again really make a statement that they are a serious force going into the World Cup.
2: Yeah, I think that is important, isn't it, to put something on the board against one of these bigger nations. Otherwise, you might come away from the uh, summer's football thinking, oh, well, there's a bit to worry about here. And that Mm. is something that you might carry through with you if you are a part of that squad.
1: It is. And I think it's important that you beat the big teams. You know, we talked about uh, the win against Germany in the Euros. And, you know, we went into that game with a lot, I think, with a lot of fear, a lot of baggage from what's happened in the past. Um, So to get over that hurdle, that's a step forward. Obviously, it was disappointing in the final, but to get there was obviously a huge uh, bonus. Um, But to get there and play against a team that I feel we we should have beaten, Um, And it's one of them where, again, you have to look at the leadership from Gareth and I think he has to um, have a little toy around with the shape the formation uh, maybe not so much in this game but in other games and games where maybe you've got a little bit of a cushion change the shape let's have a look at us with a three in the middle let's have a look at us with a, a three four three let's Let's tr- let's try different formations so we can understand what players are capable of what and, and how, the, how the team and the, and the ambience within the team plays well surely like he's
2: already done that over the course of this week <laughs> against Hungary played with three at the back four across the middle and then up top and then against Germany went back to a, a four with uh, Saka going out to the wide right position and then playing two in midfield with Mount just a little bit deeper than that I mean he is moving the shape around I went through the formations I think now I think it's 17 out of 24 have been with a back four the rest I'd like with to see back a back three.
1: five Sam I think if we pl- we've got players to play a back five we've got wing backs that can run for fun we've got central defenders that are more comfortable in a three. everyone says and, that's but- too negative but it's, but it's not negative if, if you can get hold of the ball and you've got the three men in the midfield. Plus, I'd like to see Tammy get a bit of game time. Oh, definitely, I know, I'd like to see p- that. We had, this, we had this debate about, you know, Harry Kane playing, when's Tammy going to get a chance? Well, the system that we play, Harry wants to play because he wants to break every record. He's scoring for fun for England. So he, 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 as a manager, how can you say to him, I want to rest you for this game? This gives him the opportunity to play Tammy and uh, Harry Kane and see how they work together, but also get the free in the middle. See how them see if the wing backs can force uh, the opposition's full backs back rather than being forced back themselves. And I think it's a system that we've not really we've not really looked at yet, and it's something that we really do need to look one, at.
2: One of the big issues about that, Trevor, is is the fact that there's no one to play left wing back, which is a bit of a problem because Justin... Zaka can play there. Yeah, but you need him higher up that. the pitch. You need him higher up the pitch, so yeah.
3: it's a waste.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, I think I think you have got players who can play that we position. We haven't got
2: anybody who can play that position. Not one player in that squad can play that position. Not properly. Who who can play there? Trippier, he's right footed. And you saw the other night that Germany just made sure they pushed him onto his right foot all night so it couldn't go anywhere with But it. how many
1: how many how many right footed uh, left wingers do we see? It can be done. Yeah, it but, can be done.
2: But, it, but at the moment, right now, today looking at the squad we haven't got a left back there's not one left back in the squad and that is that is a worry isn't it i mean that is and and that is not gareth's thought there is you look around the the, the whole of the league there ain't that many that's mm-hmm. that's been a problem for a very long time. You know, there's no left-backs. Tyreek Mitchell, obviously... I think James
1: could play there, couldn't he? He could do,
2: but again, he's right-footed, so he's going to have a tendency to come in on his right foot, and it doesn't open up the pitch like it does if you're a left-footer in that position. So it is a bit of an issue. I mean, I wonder what your views are on Gareth Southgate's leadership on the team, because Crookie's are harsh... Critic, and we know that. Uh, and he and you would have seen him on YouTube this week, or not YouTube, Twitter. we probably everything to be honest with you, just moaning and following the popular opinion. He's of a mind that basically, unless you you win a tournament, you're rubbish. And even then, he called Italy rubbish, and they won the Euros. I mean, if you said Greece, I'd understand it, but come on, um, Trevor. What uh, what do you think of Gareth's overall leadership of the group?
1: I think it's been outstanding. I think on uh, the human rights issues which are surrounding the game a lot. Uh, especially through the pandemic uh, after the back of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. I think he was very strong on that. He's been very supportive to the minority within the side. Um, I think when you look at players and the, the the way they talk about managers that they've played for and it's really strict and it's, you know, it's, it's very disciplined and the players don't really enjoy going to, to to meet up with England. I think Gareth's created an environment where players want to go there. They enjoy it. It's a, it's a good atmosphere. And it's a good environment to be in. And I think all them things, you can't just dismiss them and say, oh, at times he gets tactically things wrong because... Eventually, he's going to find a shape where he's going to supersede te- teams because he's got the best players. So I think he's—I I would definitely give him a an eight out of ten and think there's more to
3: come. But he's—he's
1: he's done very well for me.
3: Such a loaded question. You might as well have said to Trevor, "What do you think of uh, Mother Teresa?" <laughs> um, I don't question anything that Trevor has said there in in terms of the way that um, I, I, Gareth I, I, Southgate I sort of quite has been a, been a brilliant, brilliant documentary about Mother Teresa. Actually, <laughs> is that for another podcast? I think it probably well, is. Listen, he's been a fantastic ambassador. He's been a fantastic spokesperson. All these things that I said uh, on Sport, by the way, he's united the country. He's brought the feel-good factor back. But tactically, I think he still falls short, and I I don't see going. Is that is, is that down to him? a major trophy? Is that yeah,
1: I down think- to him? I think you like, you have to look at his his coaching stuff now. If that's a, something that he's thinking, maybe I could be doing better with that. Is there not room to bring another coach in who's very tactical, yeah. who's very kind of cutting edge, to bring someone in who's going to bring something extra to that party? Yeah, quite they possibly. Didn't they do um, that? I mean,
2: they had Alan Russell who ended up leaving the club, uh, leaving the the group. Then they bought in just before the Euros. Uh, Nevin Graham uh, from uh, Newcastle. Um, uh, Graham. I'm Paul Nevin. Mate, what Graham Jones. Graham Jones. They bought Graham Jones in, uh, and then they bought in Paul Nevin subsequently. So they either, they mm. do refresh that coaching team quite often.
3: But the issue you've got, I think there are times when even Steve Holland, obviously Southgate's most trusted uh, lieutenant, will, will urge him possibly to be a bit more ambitious. And, and Gareth Southgate naturally is, is a cautious coach. I guess we, we knew that when he got the job. EFA would have known that as well. And I think in the biggest moments, when there are fine margins, when you lose a final on penalties, but perhaps it's there for the winning in normal time, that, that might just hold England back from achieving the ultimate goal was it? Cautious? That, isn't, that isn't me. That isn't me saying that he's done a bad job by any stretch of the imagination. He's changing, he's, change, he's changing. His I'm, mind not changing I'm not of week, changing. I'm not changing.
2: It's getting a lot nicer towards Gareth towards the end of the week. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but is it interesting that you say it's cautious? But didn't he bring on two players just to take penalties? Didn't he take off Jack Grealish uh, yeah, but... during the extra time of the semi-final and say, Jack? Do you know what that worked well? We...
3: Yeah, it did work well in the in the semi-final. Oh, sorry, in the semi final, I yeah. thought you uh, in terms of bringing on penalty takers in the final. Oh, yeah, but was he, it, was, 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 but he went was a, for it. Disaster. He yeah, tried it to a, do it, he tried to bring was a on that sp- move. Yeah, but, that was a bad move. Oh, I, I because, I because it think went was, wrong. I but if, I if he had gone said, right, you would have said he's made a gamble. <laughs> <court>. If that's your best I
1: think there's <laughs> fundamentals where if it had worked, it would have
2: been the best gamble ever, and then they wouldn't have been cautious at all. Yeah, but because it didn't happen time
1: and time again. You look at Aaron Ramsey coming on for Rangers in the Europa League final. I, I don't understand how you can feel the flow of the game, not not touch the ball, and then be asked to take one of the most important spot kits of your life. It just it just doesn't make sense. It's not it's against human uh, feelings and emotion. You can't go on there and just be expected to be no. ice and finish the no, 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 penalty no, no, so no, no obviously that, that's a mistake for me.
2: But it wasn't but that wasn't caution that was doing that, was it? Um, but crookaways trots out this phrase that he's not an elite manager. How many elite managers can you list over the last twenty years? Do you think
3: not many? Okay. If you're talking in if you're talking in the Premier League era that's in exactly. in the last 20 years, Jose Mourinho was elite. I don't think he is anymore.
1: Uh <laughs> he just won a trophy, European. Oh, no, no. Conference. Let, let,
3: Conference let, let, let him give us a list. Give us, let them give us a list. Uh Thomas Tuchel I think proved himself elite when he won the Champions League. We know that Pep and Jurgen Klopp are elite. I think that's possibly it in the last 20 years in the, in the Premier League. Well, obviously Ferguson was still going was in 2013. Say. Um was Arsene Wenger still elite? In the last yeah. twenty years, he's been in the invincible. last twenty years. He has been, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's probably the list in terms of Premier League terms. So,
2: so, so over the maybe what over elsewhere in the continent, have you got any names for us that stand out?
3: Well, you've put me on the spot there, haven't you, to be honest. Angelotti clearly is elite when you look at the number of Champions Leagues that he's won.
2: Okay, so so you've come up with a list of seven people from the last 20 years that you consider to be elite. So by that token... Off the top of my head. At any one time, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, Arsenal, Spurs, Milan, PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, Spain, England, Germany, Brazil, Argentina, can't all have what you categorise as an elite manager.
3: Well, you've just, as I say, you've just put me on the spot. I haven't got a list of who's managed those national teams over if, the last if, if 20 years. Sta-
2: what you're standing, your stand of an elite manager, your yardstick of an elite manager, is not necessarily an elite manager, is it? You're talking about a special manager. You're talking about Pep, Guardiola, Alex Ferguson. You're talking talking not, not talking about actual managers that are operating at a high level on a week-to-week basis. When you broke basis.
3: your heart in 2012? Yeah. yeah. All right, Trev. Crikey. <laughs> That's that's opening some rooms isn't it? I just, yeah. Sometimes you're Listen, doing. Okay, so are you asking me is Gareth Southgate as good a manager as Mancini?
2: I would say no. No, what I'm saying is, is that doing down someone's achievements for I'm not sport doing him down and cheap likes is easy. Recognising someone's failings is fine, and Gareth recognises his own failings actually, which is why he made those changes the other night and why he ended up changing his coaching staff over the over the summer. Do I think that he he will be the one that leads England to a major title? No. But that's because I think that winning a World Cup or a Euros might just be a little bit beyond this group. But he's created more memories in six years than in the previous six decades, and mm. I think that should be appreciated.
1: Yeah. Hear, here. Well said, Sam.
3: Anything to add there, Crook? I've said all there is to be said. But <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I think he is still a manager who polarises opinion. And I think, actually, if we were to do a straw poll... But that's just I England. Th- I think, I think there's more people who come down on my side of the argument yeah. than on yours. But that
2: doesn't mean that they're right, because I don't think... And the other thing is, is we seem to have lost this whole idea of an expert now. Do you think that Gareth knows a little bit more about his team than we do? Mm, the answer is 100%. yes. And did he prove he that in European Championships, where every single time a team sheet came out, social media went wild and had a go at him, and then he proved that he was right and they were wrong? Because he knows, he spent time with them, he speaks to them. You know, international coaching is really interesting. There's only 11 players that are allowed to start a game. You've got to balance that with structure and now. And you have to remember that other teams are quite good too. And it's You're not also- just that,
1: Sam. It's not just that. You've got to manage the group. I've been away for a month in Japan, yeah. you know, and I didn't expect to be playing. But the the, the, the challenge is, obviously, you've got your favourite 11, maybe even 12, 13, 14, 15 players the challenge for any coaching staff is to make sure that that six or seven, eight players that are not in that top 15 feel valued, feel they've got an opportunity and feel like that if they train that, well, Trevor. they're going to give themselves harder a chance. It's harder than
2: that, Trevor, because now you've got 26 in the squad, but you can only take 23 to a match day. So it's not even that you're mm. trying to explain to people why they're not in the starting And that's game. why Gareth's
1: the right man. I'm, you and are
2: trying did, to explain to people why they're not in the 23 and they're not even travelling to the game. Yeah, that, and, and That is so hard.
1: Pe- people, I think people discount... The harmony within the England side, yeah. um, maybe too too easily because it is but, a big. But task. as
2: Crook said, it isn't a social club. We're not there to go and have a great time and play. No, a but game you, of Scrabble, listen. But if you're
1: if you're gonna have like to sack someone off and say you're not exactly, playing and you've got and to make in a bad way, harmony. then when you call upon him because you've had a couple of injuries and you actually need this player, he's not really going to be there for you. And also, you so all know what it's like as well. That group of players you have to factor
2: different. in. It's in every international cycle, is about tournament football. It's not like a league. It's it. It's snatches of training sessions, small periods of intense coaching, rather than... <coughs> just don't your
3: aspirations.
2: <laughs> it's not like a league. It's snatches of training in small periods, isn't it? You know, small sessions, intense windows, where you don't get to do that much coaching. Because ultimately you're bringing people together for four or five days, this is a game. Then there's two days and there's a game. And you plus all the mm. travelling in between, especially at the moment with the Nations League. You haven't got any training sessions to explain patterns of play and develop sort of a style. One of the things he said last year ahead of the Euros when they had no time before the Euros because of teams playing in the Champions League final, etc., they none of the Chelsea or Man City players could even contribute to the warm-up games was like literally, I can't do any training with my actual group. I have to hope that they've taken on board the instructions over the course of the year. And then when we get to the actual tournament, a lot of it is rudimentary and based on set plays because ultimately you can't work on anything else, Trevor, because Mm. there's no time.
1: Correct. Correct. And then it's that feel-good factor and making sure the boys are lively, making sure they're well-prepared. They've got that little buzz between the group, a nice atmosphere. And if you've got that, You've got to have a chance of pulling off a performance and then after that a result.
2: Okay, uh, let's uh, talk about somebody else pulling off uh, something remarkable because Darwin Nunez, or Nunez is about to go to Merseyside.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those ninety minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus. be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
2: Yes, Darwin Nunez seems to be close to a record move to Liverpool, and it is not to Manchester United who everybody thought uh, he would be interested in. He looks set to replace Sadio Mane. Uh, Portuguese uh, top scorer last season, placed for Uruguay internationally. Um, they weren't even anywhere near the best side in the league, Benfica, last year, but clearly they created enough for him. And bearing in mind what they did with Luis Diaz, Crook, mm. and what he produced on his arrival, this is quite exciting. And another transfer coup.
3: Yeah, you said everybody expected him to go to Manchester United. Not quite everybody. I was in Portugal, as you know, a couple of weeks ago and all the sports pages, the front, the, the front pages of the various papers were saying it was pretty much a done deal to Manchester United. Um, I spoke to my sources at Old Trafford and that wasn't ever really the case. He's been a player that Manchester United have admired, of they would like to sign. I think Benfica's asking price was a bit too rich and also they were aware of his aspirations to play in the Champions League. So there was always a danger uh, if a club in the Champions League came in, then that would turn his head. That's what's happened uh, with Liverpool. Very very similar, actually, I think, to the Diaz situation where obviously Tottenham were confident of getting him at one stage. West Ham even tried as well. But as soon as Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp come calling, that is a a big draw for any player. £68 million up front, I think, will be the fee. It will eventually eclipse the, the £75 million record transfer that Liverpool paid for Virgil van Dijk and what's amazing about this and we've touched on it before on this podcast is that only a year ago Brighton thought they had a good chance of signing Nunez to £25 million <laughs> so it shows how much his star has risen um, people who watch uh, European football like around Kevin Hatchard tell me what exciting player he is a different type of striker for Liverpool than they have at the moment more yeah. of an old-fashioned number nine he's not a he link can... man like Roberto Firmino is he? No, he can play off the left, though, uh, which is um, quite important when you, when you consider that Sadio Mane will end up at Bayern Munich. There's a bit of haggarding going on over his price tag, but that move will we'll go through. There. But but this is Liverpool getting their business done early, and I think it's an exciting move for them. I know that Manchester United have alternative targets, but it is a blow. Um, no question about that. They're still uh, trying to get a deal for Frankie de Jong over the line. But already, this is a big test for the new administration at Old Trafford, because all of a sudden Manchester United aren't the attractive proposition that they were even five years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, because
2: Calvin Phillips limped off with a dead leg the other night, but it's Manchester City who are going to test Leeds' metal with a bid for the midfielder over the next 24, 48 hours. And he was another one that was linked with Manchester United. Are we seeing here that they are just behind the curve in every sense, administratively, being able to get deals done for these big A-listers, and the fact that actually people are put off, they are put off, by the fact that they're not in the Champions
1: League. I think it's a simple one, isn't it? If you're a top player and you're going to move from a club where you've probably got a lot of ties there, you've made your name for yourself, um, and if you're going to leave that and the the, the adoring fans and that kind of comfortable feeling where you know you're loved to go to another club, obviously you're going to earn more money, you're going to play in the Premier League. But I think you want more than that. I think you want to go to a club that's going to compete for trophies and certainly that plays in the Champions League. So I think it's pretty obvious. And I think, you know, you you look at the Erling Haaland situation and I think Manchester United were one of many big teams that were interested. I think it was always going to go to a team that was in the Champions League. So they didn't really have a chance. And it's almost like the, the changing of the guard where, you know, at times Manchester United, as soon as Manchester United are in for a player. He's pretty much nailed on that they're going to be able to give you money that you want. They're going to be able to give you anything ambitious-wise that you want. And they're going to be competing for trophies. And unfortunately, that seems a long way away at the moment for Manchester United.
3: Yeah, how do they get that back, Alex? Well, they need to make a shoot signings uh, this summer to, to try and bridge the gap between them and the top four. Not so much a gap as a chasm last season. So we always knew when Ten Hag came in, this wouldn't be an overnight problem solved it's going to take a bit of time United fans are going to have to be patient actually if they were able to attract a priority quality of Darwin Nunez I think they might even have been a bit surprised themselves to be honest they might have been a bit too early in their development I do think they'll get De Jong who came up with a wonderful assist uh, for the Valk Weghorst uh, winner in the Holland Wales game in midweek I think that's the deal that they are really prioritising I know Sam you say well they've already got Bruno Fernandes but I think the more quality options you can he get play slightly field, deeper Yeah, he does play uh, DPA. and 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 listen, the midfield is is the weakest part of the team uh, for Manchester United, not least because they've uh, let players go. I've got no problem with signing
2: Frankie Frankie De Jong. My issue was with they tried to sign Christian Eriksen.
3: Yeah, well that might that might still be a possibility. Again, for me, the more quality players you can have, the more competition for places, and the more good characters. Let's get some Galacticos in there. Listen, what we know about Christian Eriksen, as opposed mm. to Paul Pogba, for example, is that he is a tremendous character. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to have enough of those in that dressing room at this moment in time.
2: Um, Calvin Phillips, good acquisition for Manchester City, do you think, Trevor, if they can get that one done?
1: Not sure. I'm not sure. Obviously, did superbly well last summer for England. Had a decent season for Leeds. Um, is he the new Fabian Delph? Won a lot of fans. Um, but is he... Fernandinho I'm not is he a Rodri I'm not so sure I mean he's got injury problems which is a concern you know he, he obviously limps off with a dead leg which hopefully is nothing serious but he spent a lot of last season injured and uh, listen we know his quality and we know that he he he, he doesn't shirk anyone he, he gets stuck in he wins second balls he's got a good range of passing doesn't really score a lot of goals Um, But is he up to the standard that Manchester City have had in the past? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that.
2: Uh, If Manchester United don't get uh, Calvin Phillips, they do get Frankie de Jong, they don't get Darwin Nunez, who do they get to play up front next season? Because they
3: still haven't got centre forward. I've just got a suspicion they might try and get Tammy Abraham out of Roma.
2: Oh, Tammy, Tammy.
3: He was someone that I think they looked at in in January. As I've mentioned, we we interviewed uh, Tammy on Darren Bent's boot room and he seemed very settled in Italy. Uh, but Roma aren't in the Champions League, and, nor are Manchester United. Um, so <laughs> they could meet in the Europa League group stages. Like, exactly. So, uh, you know, that would be an interesting dynamic. And I think eventually he will want to come back to the Premier League. The question again is, are Manchester United an attractive enough proposition for him? But I think Can on he, top
1: of that, just, just going on top of that, if Mourinho does leave, I think he's one of the uh, managers in play for the... PSG job um, and others Um, he he doesn't tend to stay places long and if Mourinho was going to go I think he'd be more uh, impacted by that Tammy and maybe want to get back to England
2: I would think if I was Tammy Abraham I've got a really good chance of going to the World Cup I'm settled in Italy I know I score goals here I know that Gareth Southgate is happy for me to be in Serie A scoring goals and playing regularly in big matches Why on earth would I go to Manchester United, where I don't know what is going to happen next? I don't know what's going to happen, and you don't even know how many games you're going to. Three months, exactly. Exactly, you don't know how many games you're going to get. You don't know what the situation is going to be with a new manager. You don't know if you're going to be central to the project. If that is the case, why would I risk going to a World Cup where you know? Listen, the England players think they can do very well at this World Cup, so why not be a part of that? You know yeah. you know that's got to be his priority so and he plays
1: week in, week out he's put a lot of would he be very that?
2: difficult very yeah. very difficult at this stage because I suppose he'll think to himself yeah well you can revisit that next year or someone can revisit that next year if we do well again this season and they will expect to
3: I just hope he pitches up at Old Trafford because I know somebody very close to this podcast who uh, collects Tammy Abraham shirts, whichever club he plays for. He gets a a replica shirt from that club with Abraham and his number on the back. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that particular person would add Abraham nine at Manchester what, United. What's no. the
1: chance of him going back to Chelsea? Because obviously we look at Lukaku. Well,
3: probably because that's what they do, isn't it? They sell someone for
2: a load Milan. of money and then buy them for double the price. Well, but
1: he's, he's, they have got a buyback clause. I remember reading it when he left. I think they sold him for 40. They've got a buyback clause for 80. I don't think 80 is a huge amount to, to get Tammy Abrahams back.
3: Yeah. Well, they, they've, got, they've, they've got to address some of the, the strikers they've got there first and foremost. I think the, the, the Lukaku situation has the potential... To become quite messy. You've obviously still got uh, Timo Werner who is uh, clogging up the wage bill without actually contributing too much. Actually, we, we had a, a Chelsea fan producer in the office making a case for Chelsea being Premier League contenders next season. I think there's some way off that. And, and yeah, his definitely. his front two was Hakim Ziyech and, and Kai Havertz. That didn't fill me with a lot of confidence. No. Actually, the opposition.
2: Uh, he, was, he was getting very excited and I said to him, I think they'll be lucky to make the top four. And he said, "Why?" Well, mm-hmm. I said, well, write down the team. Because right at this moment in time, they've got one central defender that you would put on the team sheet, as in weekly... They've lost a, lost a lot we of quality. We had discussion
1: on the White and Jordan show. And, the
2: midfield area you know. is a real problem as well, because it was never solved last season. No.
1: Yeah.
2: It's uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, talk to me about Everton, because it uh, looks like James Tarkovsky is mm. going to go there. Um, his contract at Turf Moor expires at the end of this month. They need a strong, motivated centre-half. I am always a little bit wary of signing too many players that have been relegated before. Um and obviously he has just been relegated. 219 appearances for for Burnley since joining them in February 2016. Good acquisition for Frank Lampard and Everton Trevor?
1: He is because Touchwood he never gets injured. He uh I thought he he, he was injured he, for the
2: last 6 weeks of the season but apart from that.
1: Well, was he? The whole yeah. of the last six weeks? Yeah. Oh, right. I, I, well, I, looking, I think the last game I did was probably a couple of months before the end of the season. I thought, you know what? Fair play to him because it looks like there's going to be a real dogfight there. He's coming to the end of his contract and a lot of players down to after Christmas and just say, you know what, I'm not going to play because I need to look after myself and I'm just going to throw sickies in or uh, injuries in. He didn't do that. He stayed there, well, six weeks. Still, He
2: came back for a couple of games of the season actually and he he made an important contribution.
1: Yeah, so I think he's gone out there. He's left Burnley and Turf Moor with his head held high. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good defender. I think he's, there's improvements to make with his uh, dispersal and the way that he plays through the lines. But I think as a centre-half to, to rely on, yeah, I'd, I, if you've got a ball playing centre-half next to him, I'd be very pleased.
2: Um, okay, Arsenal still in for Gabriel Jesus, uh, but Spurs and Real Madrid showing an interest uh, in him as well. Are they?
3: I've not heard the Chelsea connection again. I, I don't know if they'll pay 50 million for Gabriel Jesus. That, that's what Man City are asking for you I think. Eventually... Chelsea don't need another player that doesn't score any goals.
1: I <laughs> I I think he should I would mean, like I know Alvarez is in and obviously Haaland, but he can play on the wings if you're going to if you're going to let um Sterling go. I'd like to see him stay at Manchester. So so what are we going to have
2: you going to have Jesus, Mares, Alvarez, Haaland, De Bruyne, Grealish and Sterling
1: I mean, no, Ster- I think Sterling's going to go. Oh, All right, just, so you've
2: only got six then. Uh, six in three positions. Foden. I mean, how, mm. many, how many do you want, Trevor? You've been a bit greedy, are not you?
3: Where do you think Sterling will go? I think, well,
1: I think if, he's, if, he's, if they're not going to go for Jesus, I, think, I, thought, I thought Sterling would go to Real Madrid. I don't think Manchester City would want to sell him to Chelsea or to Tottenham. And I don't think he's that interested in Tottenham either.
3: Interesting. I think. I, I, I think Jesus will end up at Arsenal. He's got that relationship with with, with Edu. Um, I think he'll be the main man there, which is obviously what he wants him, even on the periphery at, at Manchester City. I'm not convinced how serious Real Madrid's interest is. But again, you know, they, they've obviously missed out on Mbappe, they've missed out on Horland. We've already spoken about where do Manchester United go now, having been snubbed by Nunez. There aren't that many mm. top-quality centre-forwards available.
2: Okay, Todd Bowley uh, was permitted to hold back more than £100 million from the Chelsea purchase, and bit of news that came out overnight amid concern the club will be hit with costs over liabilities that uh, took place under Roman Abramovich. Basically, I think future payments that are likely to emerge, money's owed... I suppose likely to be sort of add-ons in contract bonuses on player purchases etc cetera, etc cetera, that weren't initially disclosed. Uh, do we think that that will end in hesitancy in the market there's some sort of discussion about FFP as well and Chelsea being investigated in 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 that vein although they say that that's not the case.
3: Yeah, I think all clubs um, are going to have to be more aware of of FFP because I think I sat in on a a briefing with Alexander Seferin a few weeks ago and I think the new regulations in terms of the the spending cap, in terms of wages and uh, bonuses, etc. I I think will will actually be more watertight than the current FFP regulations. It'll be more difficult to get around them with these sort of um, hidden sponsorship agreements. The fee that I've always been given for Chelsea this summer is two hundred million pounds. I think that will be dependent on getting some players off the wage bill. I mean, I'd imagine Lukaku, for example, although he's a ninety million pound asset in terms of the transfer fee. We know now that most transfer fees are paid in instalments, so I'd imagine that Inter Milan actually are probably still owed some money, and maybe that might be a way to send him back there and actually write off some of those payments. But it's a big, it's a big summer for Chelsea. It's a, it's a difficult situation that Todd Bowley has has inherited. They've been in a bit of a state of flux that's caused them to to lose a couple of key players i think rüdiger would have gone anyway actually i think actually the uh, the sanctions preventing him from signing a new contract were quite a timely way for him to maneuver an exit so yeah let's see but again they need a center forward there aren't many out there. It's the case for a lot of clubs this summer. That's why Darwin Nunez and Benfica can command such a astronomical fee for a player they could have got for a fraction of that a year ago. Of course, there is
2: an alternative out there available quite cheaply. His name's Vout Weghorst and he had an impact on uh,
3: Wednesday <laughs> Good night. Goal. Good goal he scored, to be fair. I mean, I mentioned De Jong's role in the build-up. Excellent cross as well from the left-hand side. And a brilliant bullet header, uh, the type of which burnley fans will say so they didn't see uh, on a regular basis uh, or didn't see enough and uh, how much of that is because he's trying to uh, force his way out of turf more seen interest from clubs in in turkey, turkey. yeah uh, i mean again it was a, it was a great effort um, by wales because again rob page made a lot of changes from the side that qualified for the world cup of the weekend so and He
2: was completely different team to the one that beat belgium
3: Yeah, uh, so two second-string teams, but Wales would have still been on a high, obviously, um, after what happened at the weekend. They were probably still inebriated, some of those Welsh players, so the fact it took a stoppage time goal to beat them, (laughs) I I, I think in defeat, they've actually had quite a good Nations League campaign. Yeah, because they
2: lost to Poland as well, didn't they? Uh, But they played quite well in that with the second string, and then they played quite well uh, last night as well. So pretty impressive, I think, from uh, uh, Wales. Um, Obviously, Ukraine managed to recover their faculties as well. They changed their team quite considerably. I watched this game last night against the the Republic of Ireland. And ultimately, I thought that uh, they applied themselves really well after uh, Ireland had a fast start, went right on the front foot, pressed high up the pitch, won the ball back in high areas, caused Ukraine a few problems. But Ukraine ultimately held on and then scored the winning goal. And uh, I think uh, uh, that's great for them because I think them getting out of that particular division in the... um, in the nations league will be um seen as a major triumph uh, back home. Um Rob Page has done a brilliant job hasn't he? With Stephen Kenny under pressure I think <laughs> as the uh, as the Republic of Ireland boss and it is a tale of you know two guys who came in at a relatively uh, similar sort of stage really and have had to take on in, uh, teams in difficult circumstances. Ireland haven't got the players. They just haven't got the players. No. One of the things that Rob Page has been quite lucky with is he's been blessed with a couple of really key characters. But yeah. Ireland are in a situation where they are scurrying around now, looking for people to fill gaps because they they just the quality isn't there. A lot of the players that they've got are playing in the championship or maybe in 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 League One, and same with Northern Ireland as well. It makes it really difficult for an international manager. But I don't think overall he'll be pretty impressed with his tenure. But I don't think the Republic of Ireland keep changing their manager either. I mean, they got rid of Martin O'Neill for God's sakes.
3: It's very difficult. I mean, you mentioned uh, last week. I think Northern Ireland's wretched record in the Nations League. The Republic's is just as bad. It's no winning twelve in the competition for them as well. And 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 you look at the team, it doesn't fill you with a great amount of confidence, does it? When probably of the eleven that, that started this game, Jeff Hendrick, who couldn't get a game at Newcastle last season, is probably the the, the standout name on the team sheet. They had no Bazunu in goal. He's about to move. Uh, for significant money from Manchester City to Southampton. I think he's going to be a top-class goalkeeper. Keep an eye on him. Uh, they've got Michael Abafemi, who came off the bench, ended the season uh, well with Swansea, and I think it's got some Premier League suitors. But if you compare this Ireland team to teams of the past, it, 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 there is no comparison. And actually, uh, a lot's been made of uh, Scotland's lack of appearances on the World Cup stage. I think 2002 was the last time the Republic qualified for a World Cup. So this is a two-decade-long problem do I think that Kenny is the man to solve that? Probably not. But who else is there, as you say, when you've already tried and failed with Martin O'Neill? The, the simple fact is, an international manager is only as good as the players at their disposal, and this island squad is not really fit for purpose.
2: Sorry, can you just repeat that again. An international manager is only go- as good as the players at their disposal. So after yeah. everything you've said, it's come back to that. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> It's interesting the different takes? Have you gone have. full circle? It's interesting the different takes you have for different situations, depending on the narrative you're trying to form. Um, like, brilliant, love it. Um, listen, uh, have a great day on the golf course today. I know you're off and uh, ready to play. Uh, obviously, you know it's so difficult to fill these podcasts when uh, uh, there's no uh, club football around. You know we're struggling so much um, to to get an hour every time we speak, or not as the case may be. <laughs> Someone said to me, "How do you how do you how do you still do the podcast when there, there there's no football?" I said, what do you mean there's no football? These dark weeks are the best. These dark weeks are the ones that make you. These this is the time uh, where the real the real core group comes together, and you start to find out all the little bits and pieces from around uh, the world of football. This is where the darkness really takes hold. That's right. So we'll finish as we started with the darkness because in the summer it may be light outside but in football terms it's supposed to be the dark days. We'll be back on Monday morning and Monday afternoon when uh, we will review the weekend's action England taking on Italy live on Talk Sport this week. Make sure you join us uh, for that and we will be back to review all the Nations League actions then.
3: Oh the food upon you in the first
1: met.
0: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware.org. T's and C's apply.